This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, that's me. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, your hockey podcast network home for your reigning, defending, undisputed champion of the world, St. Louis Blues. This is episode number 41, or as I like to call it, the Yaroslav Halak episode of Blue Notes. Although I don't think Halak could really help this team out very much because the Blues have lost again. And again, they lose their weekend set with the Nashville Predators. And uh, we're going to talk about that just a little bit here and try to figure out just exactly what the hell is going on with the St. Louis Blues team. I asked you guys that on Twitter. Some of you responded. So we'll get into some of your responses here in just a little bit. And of course, I want to thank our sponsors, CoolHockey.com, your premier place to get hockey jerseys. Uh, on the internet, and uh, I've gone through them before. They do great pro stitching. If you're looking to get your jersey customized, I recommend you go through coolhockey.com. Thanks for being a partner of the Hockey Podcast Network. And then we're going to be joined by a man you've heard on this podcast before. He's been listening for a while. Bayou Benders is going to join us. Uh, Formerly the scry of the Nashville Predators, uh, ends up getting uh, traded to the uh, New Jersey Devils podcast, the Devils Advocates podcast, uh, for future considerations, I guess we'll call it. And uh, the Blues are playing the Devils at home on Tuesday, uh, and the Devils are having a devil of a time of it this year. Uh, they just made a couple of deadline deals where the message is very clear. They are rebuilding, so this might be a chance for the Blues to get back on track. So we'll talk some blues and devils with the Bayou Benders also kind of talk about hockey in general. He's uh, one of my favorite guys to just sit down and chat hockey with and try to have a fun, pleasant, happy episode of blue notes because there's not been a lot to be happy about with the St. Louis blues of late. Uh, the blues have uh, won just two games and have two overtime losses in their last 12 games. Uh, they are two eight and two and yet somehow as at a time that i'm recording this they're still on top of the western conference although that lead is now down to one because the dallas stars are nipping at the blues heels and of course colorado is right there at two points behind the stars are just one point behind so the blues they dropped two in their weekend set with nashville on sunday i thought that they were going to pull it out i thought that they were going to win They had a very good third period. Even Craig Bruby after the game said, quote, that was one of the best games I think we played all year, end quote. And I agree. I thought the Blues played very well from start to finish, but you need to score. You need to finish. And that kind of leads into a conversation a lot of Blues fans are having is, do the Blues need to get a top six forward? 
I maintain that they do. But looking at a game like the Blues had on Saturday when Nashville could just pretty much do whatever the heck they wanted in front of Jake Allen and not clearing out the area in front of Jake Allen, I wondered the Blues need to start looking at a defender too, especially in the wake of what happened to Jay Bomeister. Uh, now that he looks like he might be done, period. So they need to figure out what to do there. But I asked a few of you uh, on Twitter, uh, just a general, what's going on? What what can you explain this, this bad run of form uh, for the St. Louis Blues? And so uh, some of you did respond. And uh, thankfully, I, I want to thank those of you that did respond and didn't just reflexively say it's Justin Falk's fault. Justin Falk seems to be a guy that is becoming the scapegoat for all the Blues problems this year. And I heard that a lot Saturday because he was a minus three. He was out there for three of the goals against, and it's kind of getting old already because... Yes, Justin Falk has his issues. Yes, he has not performed as well as Joel Edmondson has. Yes, it's probably looking like his contract might be a pain in the ass. Yes, he could be the next next Zach Bogosian for the Blues. Bogosian was just waived by the Sabres, by the way. He makes over $5 million per and is a right-handed defenseman. But Justin Falk was not the issue Saturday. And all the goals that Nashville scored, I looked them up. Justin Falk had no role in them whatsoever, good or bad. He was on his man. There were still three other forwards out there and a defenseman, that defenseman being Alex Bertrangelo. Um, Justin Falk was not a factor in that game, good or bad. He, uh, in, in each of those goals, Justin Falk was basically on his man. His man was not involved in the play. So I, I just ask you, if, if, if before you start you know, tomahawking Justin Falk, Look at the plays where the goals are being scored when he's on the ice. Now, there are times when, yes, Justin Falk gets torched. And I still kind of wonder if by the time that the Seattle expansion draft comes around, if he's not exposed and maybe even pushed on this new Seattle team uh, just because of his contract. That might be the only way you get rid of him at this point. I'm not even saying you need to do that. I I think the Blues are going to have some contract issues in the next couple of years, and they're going to need you know probably that six and a half million dollars for something else. Um, but he's not the issue with the Blues. The St. Louis Blues, uh, I believe, are running on fumes from their Cup run. They didn't have much of an off season. They've been pretty much at it ever since. Um, I think their defense has been a little soft. Falk included but overall soft and allowing way too much space in front of Jake Allen. Now I asked you what the issue is. And some of you did respond. Uh, Tony Gambino responded. We're losing games because we have the league's worst goals against right now. Simplistic, but that was kind of a nod that Jordan Bennington isn't, um, isn't playing as well as he's been. And Bennington right now is a 274 goals against and a 909 save percentage, kind of pedestrian. I think he's a guy that's tired. He's been asked to carry the load a lot uh, within the past calendar year. He's played 41 games uh, this season alone. Jake Allen has played 19. 
Does Jake Allen get more games going forward? I mean, Jake Allen has a 226 goals against average and a 925 save percentage. You know, if, if this wasn't Jake Allen, Blues fans, and if and this wasn't, <coughs> excuse me, Jordan Biddington, Blues fans might be asking, why aren't you playing Jake Allen more? That would be a valid question, but these players are who they are. Justice Beaver uh, replying to me says, it's a midseason slump and tiredness, nothing more. Uh, an optimistic point of view that it's just it's just midseason tiredness. I can see that. I can see that as well for the reasons I just said. This team has been going pretty hard and heavy. And then uh, the Al Wyatt uh, responds, out of the top 10 teams, the Blues sit sixth in win-loss, but eighth overall in goal differential. We trail Tampa Bay by 36 and Boston by 31. We're not winning close games because our D is soft. Not enough goals, and number 50, Bennington, is playing average. First of all, it's tough to compare the Blues to the Tampa Bay Lightning right now because they've won 10 straight. It's also tough to compare the Blues to the Boston Bruins right now because they're 9-1 in their last 10 games. I think if you are a betting man right now, you might be very well tempted to throw a lot of money on either Boston or Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup. Because those two teams look like they are the cream of the crop this playoffs. Uh, Tampa Bay especially scares the dickens out of me. Uh, but thankfully, they're in the Eastern Conference. So if the Blues somehow make it back to the Stanley Cup final, um, we don't have to worry about that until we get to that point. But as for the uh, here and now, there is a goal differential issue. Uh, it's um, They're not winning games big. Uh, a lot of one goal wins, um, and yeah, the, there there is a softness to this defense. And if you're looking at a, uh, upgrading your defense, you do have options like a Brandon Dillon or a Alec Martinez, uh, someone of that ilk. Uh, I still think that maybe the priority should be getting some teeth on defense, especially now that Jay Bomeister is not going to be in that equation whatsoever, and he is one of your main. Uh, time chewer uppers for the St. Louis Blues and just in the role that he plays as well, a very defensive role. So I think that's what the Blues have to consider uh, going forward here. And then you can look at a top six forward, although with the price that some of these players are going for, I mean, Blake Coleman just cost uh, a good prospect and a first round pick from Tampa. I mean, if the Blues traded Jordan Cairo in their first for Blake Coleman, are you happy with that? Are you happy with that? I don't know if a lot of Blues fans are, but that's going to be the price for a top six guy. And you got to ask yourself, what does a Blake Coleman offer or a Chris Kreider offer that is so much more valuable than a Nathan Walker, Clem Costin could offer? So there's something to think about there. Anyways, I kept them waiting for long enough. We are going to jump right into our Blue Notes face-off of the week. It's Bayou Benders. And you're going to talk some Blues, Devils, hockey coming up here and a whole lot more. So we've kept them waiting long enough. Let's bring them in. It's Bayou Benders, our Blue Notes face-off of the week. And as promised, I have kept him waiting long enough as I bitched and bitched and bitched about the St. Louis Blues and their recent play. It is 
the one, the only, you know him, you love him, Bayou Benders, joining us on the Blue Notes podcast. I need a, I needed a fun guy to talk to this time because it's been such a rough ride for the Blues lately, Benders. I'm glad you were bored with me on this episode. Yeah, man, fuck it. We'll do it live. You know what I'm saying? We'll like, do it live. <laughs> <laughs> we're, here to, we're here to patch, you know, I am the, the sticky, warm pie, uh, LOL, but I am, I am what's going to make St. Louis a little happier. We're going we're gonna to be – it's going to be a lighter episode. Yeah, definitely. And we need a little bit of uh, – we both need some light in our lives. Of course, if you've been following along on Blue Notes all season long, uh, you may remember uh, the one, the only Bayou Benders. Uh, he uh, covered the Nashville Predators for us to start off the season. And then he we'll, – we'll call it traded for future considerations to uh, the New Jersey Devils podcast. And, I, am, uh, I am the, uh, the co-interim host of the New Jersey Devils podcast, you know, made a, made a little, made a little movement. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think, weren't you also co-hosting with, uh, what was it? The sharks for a while there. It was like a little bit of a transitional period. I think that you, 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 you oh, kind of bounced uh, around a little bit. We did, uh, we did the Habs while, uh, while, oh, that's sweet, right. while sweet Mason was recovering. Uh, yes. me and Isha jumped on that and literally just told, uh, like childhood hockey stories. <laughs> oh, that was, that, that was, that was the pink Whitney episode, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were we were uh we were pretty sauced. That definitely that that pink Whitney's good stuff, by the way. Oh, delicious! Uh, it is. I mean, I'm not even a big vodka fan, but that but pink lemonade and vodka, I never knew that went together until pink Whitney came around. We uh we got it in Walmart, so that's that's big for us in the South. You people might not understand that, <laughs> but uh we we have it in a Walmart, and um since I work in in bars and stuff like that, uh because I work for Budweiser, um. I have noticed that um, the local retailers for like uh, like the wine and liquor salesmen are actually trying to push it into uh, into bars with the uh, with the Mardi Gras season coming around. So I'm telling like all my all my old bars that I used to hang out in to like grab this shit up because like you know non locals will eat this shit up. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I was lucky enough to find it at a local grocery store here. I don't know how each does, of course, because each lives up in uh, British Columbia, and I have heard horror stories about how it is to get alcohol up there. I mean, if you can find it, you know, great. I mean, but the prices they have to pay up there is just outrageous. Oh, astronomical. Um, I think, uh, what is it? Like, I think Quebec, I believe, just got it. You know, or is still fighting to get it, something like that. That that's um, that that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Quebec's a weird province, like for shipping or just like anything really like like anytime anytime you have like uh like 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 major tv show or uh online show has a giveaway for instance a lot of them say uh eligible for anyone except people in quebec because there's some sort of weird thing with shipping and giveaways it's like some sort of special tax or just some sort of weird governmental loophole they have to go through if you're if you're in quebec explain that to me because i've you know, I've it, it's not only that, but just explain shipping in Canada and Canada in general. So I got I got a disclosure here before we get into uh, hockey here. So recently, uh, myself and Dylan Kayser did a, a Super Bowl bet. Yes. Uh, yeah. Where <laughs> where where my where my Kansas City Chiefs and I can I'm claiming the Kansas City Chiefs. I've been kind of anti NFL since Stan Kroenke pulled his bullshit with you know the Rams. 
But, you know, Kansas City, I you know, there's there, there's many reasons I'm backing them, not the least of which is the fact they're kind of good. Um, but, you know, they're in my state. I can go see a game. My dad likes them now, and I used to go to season t- uh, season ticket games with uh, the Rams with him. So it's like, hey, he's not getting any younger. It's something that we both can enjoy again. So Chiefs, I, I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Dylan picked the 49ers of course uh he hosts the san jose sharks podcast the stick hungry podcast Trash. and is and is also a 49ers podcast uh fan and so of course the chiefs won and through our friends at nflshop.com we hooked them up with a, this absolutely god-awful ugly atrocious hat uh i i i i wanted this thing to be so special Benders and it, and it was it was special in its ugliness. Oh, uh, it, it's the it's the worst fucking hat like I've ever seen. And if like say like 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 a, a, a like a, a child made it, I'm sorry. You know, like I don't, yeah, I don't mean to be really so harsh, am. but it is it is atrocious. If it was like one of like the hunts, like you know, three year old grandkids, you know, I'm sorry about that. But yeah. uh, uh, regardless, uh, he got the hat. But <laughs> like you know, of course, I had to ship it up to British Columbia. Uh, you know, in Canada, and it turns out that you know it to to ship anything in Canada it cost me like an extra thirty bucks just in shipping mm. costs to get it up there. You know, I guess I guess I guess whenever you you know ship everything via moose, you know, it, it costs a little extra. <laughs> so that by the way, that was Dylan's words, not me. So I'm not dissing Canada. He dissed his own country himself. So. Um, <laughs> Anyways, all right, enough of that. Let's talk some hockey. So um, the St. Louis Blues come into this one. Uh, they're going to take on the uh, Devils here Tuesday night. It's going to be at Enterprise Center. And the Blues come into this one. Uh, of course, they're still, as we're recording this, on top of the Western Conference. I have no fucking idea how um, because they are 2-8-2 eight, and two in their last 12 yeah, they um, uh, they have they have been in an absolute funk dating back to before the All Star game, and I you know before we started recording, my theory was I think this team's just tired. They they did not have much of an off season. The entire off season was like a party because when you win the Stanley Cup, first of all, the season for them didn't end until June. June twelfth was the day they won the cup. And then, you know, they're back in training camp in September. And so they just, I think really their legs are going out from under them. Um, But it's, but yeah, they've just, they look good Sunday night. I thought they played well enough to beat Nashville. They just haven't. And Benders, uh, your Devils are getting a team right now that while, yes, you look at the standings, they're on top of the West. But uh, do you maybe see an opportunity here Tuesday night? Um, you guys are coming off, you know, a back-to-back game against Nashville and granted Nashville was, was, wasn't looking as good as, as they thought they would be just like, uh, New Jersey. Um, but they, when they play you guys, it, it's more of a, a really a heavy hitting game. There's a lot of, uh, you know, after, after the whistle, you know, movement and fucking just, there's a lot of aggression in those games. And I, and I guess for St. Louis, I would worry that they would be a little bit more worn out. Um, it's a good note that you said uh, when you commented on, you know, them not really having a break. I mean, it's kind of like what they said about uh, like James Neal when he was in uh, Calgary yeah. in that, like up until, you know, that Calgary miss season, he really never had a, 
like a break. You know, he came from Pittsburgh, who was, you know, went deep into the playoffs two years in a row. Then he went to Vegas, went, you know, just as far. And then he goes to Calgary, you know, has a shit season. You could really blame it on, you know, uh, fatigue, not really having an offseason, not really having a chance to recover. And, I mean, St. Louis, they just, you know, they busted their ass the second half of the season, had a great playoff run, won the cup, partied their asses off, came back for training, and had a, an excellent start. You know, with that excellent start, I guess maybe they didn't have as much, you know, break in recovery. You know, they just went straight back into it with that winning mentality, and I guess maybe it's catching up to them right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this is a veteran team. It's a very close team. They are very – you know, when, when adversity comes to them, they generally know what to do. But it's just, you can have the, all the good attitude you want in the world, but if the legs aren't there for you, if the energy is not there for you, uh, you're going to have moments like this. Um, one thing to also kind of remember as well is that, you know, hockey can be an up-and-down sport just in general. I mean, teams can go hot, can, can get hot, they can get cold. And, you know, this time last year, this was when the Blues were starting to make their you know, rocket up the standings and they were kind of becoming the Cinderella, you know, of the last season. Um, they didn't really have a slump, you know, really of like this really since their bad play in 2018. I mean, for, you know, the last, you know, half of 2019, they were really good to start this season. They were really good. They had like one or they had like a week or two at the start where it looked like they had a little bit of a hangover. Uh, but for the most part, they've just been playing really good just up until this point now where just, you know, you got kind of a dip. And, you know, for me, it's just I think it's a combination. As I said, I think they're a little bit tired. I also think the defense has been a little bit soft. You know, there's there, there there's been some issues uh, with the Blues, as I talked about before, you know, talking with you that, um, you know, some of the Nashville goals they allowed, for instance, on Saturday they weren't doing a good job of clearing the area in front of Jake Allen. Um, yeah. You know, they were, they, they allowed the press, to, you know, in Grandland has been particular to kind of park out front and, you know, really without much inhibition. And that's, that's going to be, that that's an issue. And it's just like, for me, there's been a lot of talk about, Oh, the blues are going to go out and get a top six forward. They need a top six forward. Uh, Tarasenko, you don't know if he's coming back. You need someone to fill him. I almost wonder if at the trade deadline they go after a defenseman. You know, that's that that's kind of what I'm wondering here because, you know, not only do you have that, but then of course you have Jay Bomeister, you know, and what happened to him uh last week. Yeah, do um, we have an update on that? Well, Jay Bomeister, his current status right now is he's still at UC Irvine in Anaheim and he uh just got a, a defibrillator um like like implanted into his heart. Uh, and, and that's, that's not an uncommon thing from what I understand. Uh, and that's pretty much that thing's in there to get his heart back into a regular rhythm. Right now, when, when, when that happens, you know, just according to some studies that I was sent by, um, our own, uh, ice analytics podcast host, math, Dr. Matthew Arp, um, Whenever, whenever you, very good guy. I've been on his <laughs> podcast a couple times. He's been on mine. Shout out to the Ice Analytics podcast. Check it out. Um, but he found some um, like medical research from like the mid two thousands that pretty much states that whenever you have this implant in your heart put in, that's pretty much the end of your athletics career. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, I mean, just number one, it, it kind of highlights the fact that your heart has an issue. 
and right. strenuous physical activity is gonna be an issue. But number two, I mean, just like and it just it's the obvious thing that I thought of is like if you're out there playing hockey and you get checked and you got a freaking defibrillator in your heart, uh, there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a whole lot of bad that can happen. Um, you know, so I, you know, Jabo, he's, he's 36 years old. He's had a long career. He was an iron man, had the longest, you know, games played streak going for a long time. Uh, he's made a lot of money. He was talking about retiring after this season. Anyway, I think Jabo's done. Um, but you know, so, but like, you know, I, this is the first chance I've had to talk to someone outside of St. Louis or that's outside of the blue sphere about this. I mean, when you see and hear what happened to Jabo, I mean, what's your reaction? Uh, I mean, my first reaction is, is like, you know, just, just utter shock. You know, like it, it's I wouldn't say it's it's uncommon because it's ha- it's happened in the past. But still, like regardless, it's something that's very scary to witness. Uh, mainly so is, is you see the panic on on, on his basically his, his, you know, his, his players like his team is just in complete shock. Uh, Petrangelo, especially. Um, I mean, my first initial thoughts is like, you know, someone's got to help him. And then it initially goes to like, you know, uh, thinking that his his family's listening or watching the game and then they go into complete panic. And to see someone like Bo Misha, how you say he's like a journeyman, like he he's literally just been around and just been doing his best. He's a blue collar, you know, hockey player. Um, I mean, it sucks, you know, like you don't want to see someone go out not the way that they wanted to. And I, and I talked about it previously with Shane on, uh, on the devil's advocates that it just sucks that there's a chance that he won't be able to leave the game the way he wanted, you know, on yeah. his own terms. And it might be forced to, to have to quit. And, and I feel like that sucks for him, especially if, if it feels like it, it would probably hurt a little bit more for someone who's played for so long, you know, like, like a Joe Thornton choosing when you want to leave, you know, and it just sucks that this might not be the option for Bo Meester. No, you're talking about a guy that definitely has deserved to get out of the game on his own terms. I mean, he was a very good defenseman during his time in Florida when he first came up with them, and then you know, he was still very solid in Calgary. And when he came to St. Louis, I mean, you know, pretty much from the time that they acquired Bo Meester, you know, Bo Meester had this reputation of being a uh, offensive puck moving defenseman. And he still kind of was, but as his career has gone on, he's really he really kind of became more of a Andy Green type of a stay home, stay at home, you know, you know, kind of a you know more defensive type of defenseman. He changed his game as he's got That's older. That's a blue man. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about Andy here here in just <laughs> just a little bit. But uh, uh, my first thought was was even darker than yours. I mean, you know, a lot of people have brought up the. Erie Fisher and Rich Peverly mm-hmm. situations, you know, when they, when they dropped, you know, while playing hockey, my first thought was a guy named Alexei Sharapanov. Uh, I don't know if you remember him or not, but he was a, a New York Rangers prospect. Um, and he kind of, uh, he was, he was, I think like 18, 19, 20 years old. He was playing in the KHL and he was considered to be a very, very good forward. You know, he would have been a very good offensive forward had he made it. But just he was playing a game uh, in Russia, and I'll never forget Yarmir Yager was actually on his team, and uh, Sharapanov gets off the ice and he just drops. He he's on the bench. He drops, and that was a situation where they did not have the adequate medical staff even in the arena. 
There was no ambulance. There was nothing because, you know, Russia's kind of the Wild West compared to, you know, how the NHL handles things. And Sharapanov ended up dying. He he tragic. was, yeah, he was, it was very tragic. And so when I see uh, what happens to Bo Meester, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is Sharapanov all over again. Now, right. thankfully, you know, the NHL isn't the KHL and you had medical teams right there. I mean, they responded like like that. And not only that, but uh, you may have seen this. Um, you had uh, Colton Pareko for the Blues and Ryan Getzloff for the Ducks. They end up both going behind the Blues bench and ripping off the bench from the ground and flipping it over so that the medics had room to work on Jay Bomeister. Now, yeah. keep in mind, these hockey benches, they are screwed. They are bolted to the ground. I mean, they aren't supposed to move. And you have these two big veterans, you know, ripping it off just as, so they can get to Jay Bomeister. Um, the response, again, just incredible. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Benders, is, the fa- is just the response around the league. Because... There was well wishes, get well soons, like immediately afterwards, not just from teams, but from players. Uh, the Blues went to Vegas Thursday, and before the game, uh, Golden Knights fans were signing banners wishing J-Bo, um, you know, a, a speedy recovery. And it just kind of highlighted to me, Benders, why uh, one reason why I like hockey so much, and that is the culture around hockey is very non-toxic compared to other sports. Whenever there's a tragedy like this, there's not another sport, in my opinion, that rallies around their own quite like hockey. Yeah, it's it's um, it's literally like a family. You know, like you might like, you know, when you're younger, you, you get you don't get along with your your siblings or anything. But like, you know, like for us, uh, especially like like for us and Katrina, right? You know, like we you know, we mess with each other, you know, you might not like this person, you you might love this person, blah, blah, blah. But like something bad happens, like you kind of all like unite and like understand that like, this is bigger than, than, you know, our, our little meager existence going on right now. And, and for these people to just go out there and just, just kind of pay their respects for, for a long time veteran and just a hockey player in general, you know, uh, just speaks volumes about this specific league, you know, uh, you see it in NBA with, with Kobe Bryant, but like, I think that that NHL, like, yeah, we we could argue with each other. We could be like hockey trolls and just, you know, just be ignorant. But like when shit like this happens, like it's really nice and comforting to know that like every fan for the most part is going to be wishing success and recovery and, you know, what have you for if, if something like this happens. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, you know, if a Blackhawks player went down, I would feel the same way if a Predators player went down. I would I would feel the same way. I mean, you know, just obviously, you know, it's it's it, it is kind of a family type of atmosphere. Like, you know, I've given Predators fans some shit, you know, over the years, especially after going to Nashville to watch a game myself, um, just because you know of the in-game presentation. I'm just not a big fan of the Predators home game presentation. Yeah, they're very aggressive, you know. Aggressive, like like kind of like schoolyard <laughs> bullyish a little yes. bit, you know. Yeah. Which 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 I mean, if you are a Predators fan, that works. But um, and, you know, and it's it's and, and and I'm not saying they should change it. It's just I I can choose not to like it. But if it works, it yeah. works. But when I was at the game, I could still talk to Predators fans. They they they're pretty cool, you know. Just you know, they just they they like watching hockey. 
when I went to Dallas a few years ago, uh, the Stars came back and beat the Blues, you know, with uh, two goals in like the last three minutes. Um, fans afterwards, you know, they could have easily said, ha ha, you lose, neener, neener. Nothing like that. They were very <laughs> cool. They were very cool. They're all like good game. They wanted to talk about the game. And it's just, you know, if, if it was like a NFL game, do you think Cowboys fans would be, you know, that friendly? Probably not. Um, so it's, it's, it's one thing that makes me, makes me really like the sport. It's just, just how, you know, it, it's, it, there, there's a certain, you know, not pun partly intended chillness that uh, hockey fans have compared to, uh, to other sports. Yeah. And times like these, like we're really family, family united, you know? Yeah. And, and unless you're in Alberta, you know, it, it, or if, <laughs> and if you're an Edmonton or Calgary fan, then it, then, then all, all bets are off up there. Uh, by by the way, uh, be, before we transition into our the, the two teams we support, what you think of that Cassian, uh, you know, trying to go all happy Gilmore on on uh, oh. on another player? <laughs> Man, isn't that fucking nuts? Like, I get like that he's having a tremendous season. Uh, maybe in the beginning half, like amazing. You know, now it's kind of it's kind of like deteriorating, and he's going back to like his more aggressive style of play. But. Yeah. Uh, Man, really taking fucking beating up a a twenty three year old to heart and just just running with it right now. He's just a, a legit fuck a bully out there right now. You know. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it's so weird because he was kind of put in a position, you know, just a few weeks ago it seemed when you know he was the quote unquote victim, you know, of Matthew Kachuk, you know, and and now it's like he turns around and you know decides to you know try to you know stomp someone with a skate. I mean. That's just, uh, I mean, uh, do you think seven games was enough for him? I don't know, man. Uh, I've never seen some shit like this. And <laughs> this is, this is some like, you know, uh, you know, Bruins fucking, you know, Philly, like seventies shit. Yeah. You know, uh, it's Terry insane. O'Reilly. He's, he's got, he's got the Kachuk madness right now, you know, and everybody, everybody is Kachuk in his eyes when they mess with a, a, a player or himself, yeah. you know? Uh, look at you know Drew Doughty wasn't as physical, but uh, def- definitely took it out uh, vocally. You know, uh, but man, uh, kudos to Kachuk for for really understanding how to get under people's skin and really make it like you know linger into their their games that they're not even playing anymore. You know, and this guy's just his aggression is just so built up. And I, I mean, he seems like he's a real humble guy until you fucking face him. You know? Yeah, totally, totally. But so let's go back into you know the teams that we support. Of course, your Devils are uh, recording this on a day when they make not one but two trades, and that kind of uh, two trades that kind of tell you where the uh, the state of the New Jersey Devils are at the moment. So they trade uh, Andy Green, their longtime you know defenseman, to uh, the New York Islanders for defenseman David Quinville and a second round pick in twenty twenty one. And then, you know, to cap off the night, deal forward Blake Coleman to the Tampa Bay Lightning for defenseman Nolan Foote and a 2020 first-round pick. Let's first talk about the Andy Green deal. Now, Green's one of those guys that I never thought would leave New Jersey just because he seemed to be a lifer in New Jersey. I mean, he started his career there. He was their captain. You know, always kind of that old, reliable, stay-at-home type. But they get a second-round pick for him. I mean, uh, happy with the trade, happy with the return? Uh, very much so. So Andy Green, you know, 14-year vet with the team. He wasn't even drafted. He was a blue-collar player. He literally, uh, you know, was picked up as a free agent 
And seven years in, he gets the captaincy in, I think, 14, 15 season. And, and until now, you know, it's really ridden that, that wave. Uh, he's seen success and, and also stuck around for, like, the heartache, you know. Um, yeah. It, it's tough to see him go, but this is a great move. This is, a, this is an older guy. And we're, uh, as Shane noted in, in our last podcast, uh, picking up David Quinville is really big for us. One, we needed a, we needed a young defenseman and one that shoots right-handed. Uh, he was really expressing how important that, that is for us right now is, is something we are lacking in. Um, you know, granted, he is going to go down to uh, Binghamton, but uh, let him let him develop. I think I think this is big for us. We we've been talking about uh, you know having this big yard sale, and tonight was literally just like uh, open house. You know, like uh, it was a soft opening, just letting you know what was going on. So Andy Green was the big, you know, was the I thought that was the end for tonight. You know, we were just making a statement. You know, yeah. everyone's capable of movement, even even these old vets. Well, Blake it, Coleman, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, maybe maybe not even some of the older vets. I mean, Blake Coleman goes to Tampa. You know, he's you know he just turned twenty eight years old. You know, one of those guys seems to be a perennial twenty goal scorer. Going to Tampa in a move that I thought was pretty good for you guys because this foot has some upside. And then of course another first rounder to throw on the pile, Benders. All right, so this is when I realized, like, you know, this is this is the beginning of it, right? Yeah. So you know, Andy Green going uh it sucks it's understandable though you know he's had a great he's had a great run with us and you know they he mutually agreed he's not going far you know uh and he shane told me that he dropped his no trade clause to make this happen so you know in a sense he's going somewhere that has a better chance yeah and then he's also given this chance this team a chance to make that rebuild so it's like even in his leaving, he wants this team to be successful. You know, yep. blah, blah, blah. You can be sympathetic or whatever. Blake Coleman is literally the beginning. You, you know, like we're, we're showing that this is now in rebuild mode. We're not making just moves to, to buy a, a good season. No, like Blake Coleman was our, you know, alongside uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Hall? Uh, no, not Taylor Hall. Uh, damn, I'm just blanking. Anyway, Paul Mary. Thank you, thank you, man. Yeah, Paul Mary. Yeah, <laughs> we got of, there. Uh, we got there. Thank you. Just, just one of them, you know. Uh, one of one of the the big, you know, big fucking goal scoring capable people. But Blake Coleman really took that low, uh, that that role with Paul Mary absent for a little bit, and moving him shows that yes, we are rebuilding. Five tabler yard sale. Everyone's fucking. <laughs> everyone's capable of being moved. We got now three number uh, three first round draft picks. This is going to be big. You know, like we have a chance to really build up the future, and that's what it's going to take. It's not going to take us, you know, buying a team. We tried that this season. It didn't work. So now we're going to rebuild it. You know. Yeah, I can respect teams that finally decide to kind of cash in and you know decide, hey, it's it's time to rebuild. I mean, the blues kind of did that, you know, a little over 10 years ago, uh, whenever they dealt Keith Kachuk to the Atlanta thrashers, you know, a guy that I didn't think would ever leave St. Louis. I mean, after they got him from uh, the coyotes, uh, but you know, Kachuk wanted to, you know, another playoff run The thrashers were doing good that year. And so they go, he goes to Atlanta for, you know, a couple players. And then in the offseason, comes right back to St. Louis, Doug Wade, another guy that, you know, you know, needed a change of scenery. He gets traded to Anaheim, uh, you know, another longtime St. Louis Blue. But then, you know, I you, 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 I look at what 
the Devils did today with uh, Green and Coleman. And then I look at a team like Minnesota who deals Jason Zucker, um, you know, another guy that I thought would be there for forever. You know, he already felt like he had been there forever. Yeah. And, you know, Minnesota was kind of one of those teams I felt was kind of in a similar category as New Jersey where it seemed like they were kind of in denial that they needed to, you know, do a full rebuild. Um, you know, I mean, New Jersey, you know, they have been competitive in the playoffs, you know, or at least, you know, fighting for a playoff spot in recent years. Uh, Minnesota was always kind of in that, you know, comfortable 14th, 15th best team kind of, you know, they seem to strive for mediocrity every year. But now it's like, you know, they trade Zucker away. Uh, they seem to be ready to rebuild there. So it's like, you know, I mean, is it a relief for you that the Devils are taking a look at their situation? You know, they just traded away Taylor Hall. Corey Schneider is a $6 million albatross. You don't have a really capable replacement for him at this point. I mean, is it a relief for you that the Devils are saying, yes, we need to fix this and uh, we need to start it now? Yeah, I mean, dude, it's it's so, I guess, exciting, you know. Like we 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 we're sucking, right? But we're losing Blake Coleman. We they're now stating that we're committing to a rebuild, you know. Like this is a guy who's giving us a chance at winning games. He's fucking gone, you know. So fans can at least breathe a little easier, knowing that with you know losses incoming, it's not because we're just not playing good and. And the moves that we made aren't working. We're in the process of making better moves. You know, coach is gone. GM's gone. This is a full fucking rebuild. You know, the whole staff is is, is going to come in new. And I think uh, I think the coach right now. I think it would be great for us to keep him. He's doing he's doing pretty good for what what we got. And I think he should just ride the wave with him. You know, uh, I think Foot is going to be tremendous when he's ready. Um, it's funny that. It's funny that Tampa, uh, I believe, drafted both the Foot brothers, uh, and now we got one. So, you know, all these young guys, these uh, young first rounders that we're getting, I think it's really awesome for us. It's like Edmonton, uh, you know, a couple years back. Yeah, definitely. And it's like in Tampa, watch out for them because they've won ten straight. They're, 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 they finally are the juggernauts that everyone thought they would be. And now they, now you add Coleman to that mix. I mean. Oh, he's going to be successful there. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's tough to see him go uh, to a team that he's going to be lights out for. But it's like, you know, as a as a New Jersey fan, you got to understand, like, we got to give it all up to, to make something. You know, we're not going to be a winning team next year, maybe not even the next year. You know, it might take a good while. But these are the, the beginning steps to having a successful franchise like Tampa, like St. Louis, you know. Definitely, definitely. And it's and it's like I you know, you, you, you talk about, you know, now that they're going into a full rebuild and all that. So as a blues fan that is desperately searching for a, a win for their, you know, once, you know, top notch team. I mean it's, they still are, but I mean it's been a while since the blues had a really good solid regulation win. We see the Devils coming in on Tuesday. They're in that full rebuild. They traded away Taylor Hall. They just traded away Coleman and Green. And, you know, I'm looking at them and I'm like, well, great. Here's a here's a chance to, you know, beat up on, you know, the, 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 the proverbial cupcake, if you will, and maybe get back on track. But then I watch uh, the Devils beat the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team that is – 
very much in the thick of the playoff race, and they win four to three. So should should I be overlooking New Jersey on Tuesday? Uh the best the best thing that I, I say to anybody um, is New Jersey wins because people don't expect them to. Like we're not going to win every fucking game, but a team that is really not not giving them the you know the the chance that they deserve is the ones that they slip up. Now it might change because we we just lost you know our captaincy, we just lost you know uh, our one of our top two you know goal scorers. We have uh, uh, Heshear still out, uh, Bantanen's out still. So I mean like Vanton is not really producing right now, but like definitely like uh, our biggest problem is is defense. Because, you know, our goalie Blackwood's decent. Uh, Deming plays well when he's around great defensemen. And that's what we're lacking right now, you know, as a defense. Um, but with Nico Heischer out, we can't win a face-off for nothing. So that's where you guys really need to take off, you know. Your centers have to come out amazing. Ryan O'Reilly has to have a great night. Uh, now, the game that you guys just played, that 33% against the Predators, like, y'all aren't going to have that problem. You know, with New Jersey, I'm just I'm just stating that right now. Unless he sure is healthy and he can come back in two days, you won't have that problem. Now, I, I expect these guys to be fired up with getting a home win, uh, but I think it, it will be negated with the fact of of two big losses in the room. You know, Green might not be producing uh, as much offensively, but that that is a that is a home body in there. You know, like just like uh, you, you're basically losing like a big brother. You know, Damn. so they're going to be a little down, um, but I'll, I'll state it. You know, you guys, you guys are going to win. You know, uh, okay, we're y'all, we y'all jump back. You know, and and if it if it isn't so, then fuck. Like, I'm sorry, because <laughs> because we're not in it to win it right now. You know, like we we're already committed to losing. You know, we're committed to getting great picks <laughs> and rebuild. Like. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and you're talking – well, I, I'm glad you say that because the Devils will be playing a team that seems to be pretty committed to losing lately, although, you know, that's – But you guys you know, have the secret packages, one being David Perron and, man, the reassurgence of Alex Petrangelo, just saying. Yes, contract year, he's he's going to get paid. He's going to – I you know, we were talking, I believe uh, – actually, I think we talked, you know – when we uh, communicated a couple months ago, uh, back when you covered Nashville, that you know we thought that you know Petrangelo would get around what Roman Yossi would get. I think I think I think he blows Yossi out of the water now. Just you know, just with the way he's been playing this year, and he's kind of been proving to the Blues how important he is for that team. I mean, I you know I'm kind of worried you know going into the off season whether or not the Blues can even afford Petro anymore. Look, it would be amazing. Yeah, Petro's thirty, right? Uh, how much he, longer? He'll be thirty, yeah. Okay, so so how much longer? You know, like let's say he he wants to play eight more seasons. God, God, you know, let it be. Yeah. Um, I think I think in his best interest is, is at this point to take a team friendly contract. You know, like if you want to stay with St. Louis, I'm not I'm not saying you know get like uh man, I'm trying to think of his name. I think it's uh, Eckholm from uh, Nashville, just taking seven million for like five years. You know, don't take something small like that. Right. But, like, you're producing at a alarming rate better than you have in the past at this point. I mean, his last four seasons are astronomical uh, compared to his, you know, everything above it. You know, from, from age 27 to 30, he's been better than he was from 19 to 26. 
Yeah, and he's he's a guy that, you know, when you look at his age and you're concerned about giving him a long-term contract, I mean, give him an eight-year contract, he'll be 38 when it's done. You know, a lot of defensemen, you know, with his style, you know, he's not a big physical guy. I mean, he plays a style that's kind of built for longevity. And you look at a guy like Al McGinnis, who played until he was 40 and played still top-level hockey when he was 40. You look at a guy like Nick Lidstrom, uh, just those type of guys. I mean, the great defensemen often play and play well into their late 30s. And I believe Petro's in that category. And I think, you know, if he wants eight years, you give him eight years. You know, yeah. I mean, and and just kind of kind of worry about it later. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you can look at, you know, what Detroit and Chicago are going through right now, where they have still a lot of, you know, bloated contracts from their glory years, especially Detroit. That's kind of what is, you know, the Abdulcators and the Darren Helms are kind of dragging them down. But it's like, you know what? Stanley Cup banners are forever. You know they'll hang yeah. in your they'll hang they'll hang in your arena forever. So you know if you have to you know spend a little bit and give a little term you know to keep you know Stanley Cup quality teams together, you do it. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's Florida or if it's uh, Vancouver, but whoever's whoever's holding um, what's his name? The oh man, here I go fucking blanking again. Uh, the the, <laughs> the fucking goal that uh that goalie. Man, um, uh, Luongo. Yeah, whoever's holding Luongo's extra money, I feel bad for him. If it's Florida, that sucks yeah. because yeah. now, now you, now you've taken on Big Bob's money, you know. So like, well, it's a train wreck for a team that's trying to to move forward. You know? Well, well, not only that, but it's like uh, there's there's some worry now uh, over uh, Shea Weber. Uh, Shea Weber's hurt, and there's oh, there there yeah. is there is some genuine concern that he may not come back for a while if ever well. and if he <laughs> and, 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 and if he retires you know who's suffering for that it's not montreal no. it's nashville <laughs> so yeah. and, and, as a, and as a blues fan i'm all for shea weber retiring i think it's more likely though that he becomes kind of like the David Clarkson or the Nathan Horton, you know, he becomes that long-term IR contract that mm-hmm. gets passed around, you know, that I mean used to used to be those guys would end up in in Arizona, you know. Remember, right. you know, remember legendary uh, Coyotes forward Pavel Datsuk <sighs> or, you know, legendary defenseman Chris Pronger? Well, no, they never played a game for him, but that's where their contracts ended up because right. <laughs> because their teams needed to shed them so they can get some salary cap relief, so it's a weird system this uh, this NHL salary cap is, but uh, anyway, going back to the Blues and Devils, you know, I, it's my hope. You know, the, the Blues haven't been playing bad the last couple of games. It looks like they're on the verge of you know turning the corner, if you will, and going back to playing good hockey. Um, you know, it's it's just I think they hit a swoon. I think they got. I think they're a little tired. Um, but I but they might be getting a second win because they played well enough to win in Nashville. Uh, tonight, in my opinion, and they do have an opportunity here Tuesday night against New Jersey, you know, to, you know, not just I and it's it's you don't want to see your team run up a score on anyone when they don't have to. But I feel like the Blues need a big emphatic win just to kind of, you know, get set straight again. And unfortunately for you, Benders, it might have to be at the expense of your Devils. I'm I'm predicting a 5-1 Blues win. I mean, there's a good chance uh, Carolina just did it to us. You know, we got two in, but uh, we only got the second one in because of this, uh, this young kid that's, that's really, 
that's really starting to jump off for us. Um, uh, Joey Anderson, I'm so excited with this kid getting, you know, starting to starting to turn for this team. He's 21 years old. Uh, I mean, he's only 190 pounds, but man, as of late, he's he's really he's really starting to heat up. You know, he's got two goals, three assists, and you know, four points in his last. Um, I think it's five games. So, I mean, kudos for him. It's I guess it sucks that he's heating up right now, but it's really good to see that that uh, that he's he's starting to you know he's getting comfortable over here because he'd be a great he'd be a great person to keep around if if we can if he can really show that he's I wouldn't say worth it but his potential is is being shown you know what's your prediction for Tuesday what's what's the final score five three I say we get Paul Mary uh that yes that Jesper kid is uh I think Jesper Brett yeah he's gonna run hot off of off of that uh shootout win tonight um I mean Pavel Zaka looked look pretty decent as uh in this game but i really say once uh once nico he comes back will look good but i'll say that uh easily joey anderson's gonna find the board again i don't give a fuck whether <laughs> whether it's whether it's scoring or uh or an assist or something he's coming in kyle paul mary for one guaranteed and um shit i'll even say um let me think of his name um I think even Nikita, Nikita Gusev will score, considering he might oh, be nervous. He might be nervous because he's like, "Fuck, man, I am really not producing for for the." Is he still know, on the fourth for, for the line? Pick. Is he still on the fourth line for you guys? <laughs> I think so. Man, what right a, what a, what a, what a disappointment <laughs> he's been. Yeah, I thought uh, he, I, I thought he'd be a good one. I I was I was I was one of those guys that when when Vegas had him, you know, a lot of people thought, "Oh, here comes another Shipachev kind of situation." Right. You know, he's just gonna flake out on you. It's like, nah, this guy's got this guy's got some got some got a track record behind him. Um, I just think that he would play good if he was if he was around better players, right? Yeah. Like if, if we could really build a, a better team around him, I, I, w- I wouldn't put him as the, the person to, to build around. No. You know, but he could be a a piece that we could keep around. Now, if if someone wants to give us a first round pick. Or something really juicy for him. Well, fuck. I'm sorry, bud. Goodbye. Good luck with know? that. But good luck with that. But uh, <laughs> I, I think, think I think it's a package deal type of thing. You know. <laughs> yeah. You, or, or, where you take a salary back or something. That it's that's the only way I can see that happening. Um, yeah. Would be would I, be I, would be an interesting flyer though. Especially I I don't think he would cost much uh, in, in, in trade. I mean, at least compared to like a Blake Coleman or a, a Jason Zucker. I mean, the the trade market seems to be kind of. You know, picking up, picking up, bit. uh, like low hanging fruit as of late, and I don't mean these are great fruit. I mean like this <laughs> seems to be the season. If you want to move someone who is not really producing, maybe he's old, maybe he's like Nikita Gustav. This is the time to move him because we're getting great, we're getting great back and forth. You know, like we're picking up yeah. great shit for fucking older guys or average guys. Uh, Gustav, as of as of uh, I believe tonight he played on the second line. With yeah. Miles Wood and uh, Travis Ajak. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind the Blues if you know if, if, if I still think they they need to grab a defenseman. Uh, I wouldn't mind a trade with New Jersey if I'm a Blues fan if it nets them a defenseman and maybe Gusev as a throw-in. Well, you know, uh, I, I'd be down for that. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it's I believe it's Damon Damon Severson. Not really a great fucking guy, but uh, he's ranked. <laughs> 37th of, of right defenseman right now. Uh, 
he doesn't want to stick around. So he's someone who'll be move, who'll be uh, getting the ship pretty soon. Yeah, he sees you know? the, the the Titanic. You know, has hit the iceberg and it's it's starting to starting to take on water. So yeah, yeah I mean, I can't imagine it, it's it's fun to. I guess in their sense, waste their fucking career with, with, a, with a rebuilding team like this, you know, when you don't really see any positivities in the future, you know, it's not like Edmonton, like they had all these amazing first round draft picks, you know, Hall, you had uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you had Mc, McDavid, Dreisaitl, fucking uh, Nail Yakupov, that, that sucked. Oh, you know, but Nail like, Yakupov. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, He's he's not around to see them getting all of these amazing picks, you know. No. Like he did see Nico Heischer, he did see Jack Hughes, you know. But I mean, I guess in his eyes, he's like, "Fuck, I want a chance," you know. Like I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, a, a top. I, w- I wouldn't say I'm a top four defenseman. So it's just like shit. Maybe I should just take a little bit of a, uh, some money and go to a better team, you know. Maybe get a yeah. chance. Yeah. You're right. You know, being on rebuilding teams isn't fun. Just ask any Ottawa Senators player in the back of an Uber. They'll tell you. I can hear Shane just getting frustrated as you say that. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't. I, I can't wait to hey, hear. Hey, but they it. won tonight, so that's good for you because they they stopped Dallas. Yeah, Shane, of course, hosts our Ottawa Senators podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. By the way, uh, if the Devils beat the Blues on Tuesday night, I am glad to come on the Devils Advocates. Uh, so you guys can, you know, just drag me, drag me along the road, you know, just, I, I feel like I will have deserved it at that point. Just cause you know, I predicted a five, one win for the blues. That's Hey man, we've, we've gotten to the point to where we're just trying to get people excited about games to a point that February 22nd against Washington, we have the SpongeBob SquarePants day. You know, that, that is the level of like, please. Please <laughs> still like this team. We're rebuilding. You know, like, <laughs> please come and support. Your kids will love it. They got SpongeBob drawn up in a, in a, in a devil's jersey. Like, <laughs> Well, whenever they, you know, start giving away, you know, free tickets with the purchase of a pastrami at the, you know, Parsippany Deli in uh, New Jersey, that's when you know they're desperate to get fans in the seats. Hey, man, they did that for the Saints down here. You could literally – uh my grandpa used to tell me he was like, at one point, you could uh, <laughs> you could go to McDonald's and basically get you know like uh like tickets with a purchase of of a certain amount of you know food or some shit. I never knew if it was real, but you know what? I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's fake because they were piss poor back in the day. Now, when you got your Big Mac at McDonald's down in New Orleans, did they give you a free uh, paper bag to put over your head? You know, when I you, think when I think they games? just kind of reversed it. You know, you'd flip the you you'd get the food, knock it out real quick to where it doesn't get the grease all on the inside, and you just kind of like you know you you give it a little reverse, and that way you're not spending money. You know, you know? yeah, you know, McDonald's paper bags are are nicely. They would fit ahead pretty nicely. You know, wouldn't be too big. You know, cut. You know, the the paper's thin enough to where you can easily punch <laughs> out the eye holes. You know, this man, me. I, I feel like there's some McDonald's franchisees down in New Orleans that missed out. You know, they could have just they they could have they could have given fans bags that had like the eye holes pre punched out. Right. Yeah. You know? uh, it was it was bet it was great for the economy at the time because it's like man, like you know, grocery stores are selling paper bags like left and right. Like imagine now, like they can't sell shit. Because no one's going there with plastic, you know. They're not trying to die to watch a team fucking die <laughs> on the field, you know. <laughs> oh man, I could, I, I as a Rams fan who had to deal with some, you know, shit teams and 
you know, the late 90s and then the mid-2000s. I, I can relate to that. There were definitely a few games where I wanted to wear a paper bag on my head. You know, yeah, just we cause... had we we were so fucked up that we did it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, Bayou Benders, it's always a pleasure having you on Blue Notes. And uh, uh, hopefully I won't be talking to you again Wednesday when the Devils beat the Blues and, you know, I'm on your podcast <laughs> and you're just, you know, you know, you know, shoving my head in a puddle, you know, that's uh hopefully to be a good game Tuesday night, regardless an entertaining one. And, uh, yeah, just again, just love having neon benders. Yeah, man. I, I love coming on. Uh, you're one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. I, I don't just listen. I don't like listening to myself. I'd rather listen to, to other guys. And, and you, yep. you definitely is, is one of my favorite ones. You're so insightful. And I love the little history lessons that you've been giving out as of late. Uh, yeah, <laughs> truly awesome moving kegs and, and listening to this. Well, hey, according to you, I'm the Morgan Freeman of the Hockey Podcast Network. That's right. So, you know, I, I have a name That's to God's voice. Here. I, <laughs> please, please, uh, uh, don't don't put that on me. Dude, oh, man. I, hit, here's something right before we leave, right? When right. we first started and they put the intro that, that you that you uh, did the voiceover for, I was yeah. like, man. They must have paid great money to get this guy. He sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> and you know how much I got for it? <laughs> Nothing. Zero. But you know what? It's for the love of the network, right? Absolutely. Just we do like everything just... for this network. All right, Benders. Well, thanks a lot for being on Blue Notes. And that is going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me. There is no Blue Notes podcast. Mikey Wags returns on the Thursday episode of Blue Notes. I'm Tom Franklin. And don't be a chump and always play to the whistle. listening to the hockey podcast network on twitter at hockeypodnet new episodes every monday and thursday download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from <laughs>